0: Good morning, everybody. It's Hot Rod Bob, and you've got gas, the morning edition, the great American Auto Scene, your .com award-winning podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, today we're going to talk about a car name that began back before the turn of the century, that 1900, actually. So it started out in 1899. Actually, it started being thought about in 1897, but... The first prototype was built a little bit after that. And it showed at the first Chicago International Exhibition in 1899 and then at the New York Automobile Show. Yes, there was one in 1899. 1900 was the first time they actually started going into full production with the purchase of a bicycle factory. Well, the person who started it was. Thomas B. Jeffrey of Chicago, and he built the Jeffrey Bicycles. He decided to go into the car business, and he called the car the Rambler. Now, that name stuck. It did pretty good as well. And in 1902, he went into full production of the Rambler automobile. He sold 1,500 cars that year. Made him the second largest producer of automobiles in 1902 only behind Ransomy Oldsmobile's Oldsmobile, the curved dash car. Now, the Rambler at the time was more stylish than the Oldsmobile. It had what appeared to be a hood and a grill in the front. Although it sat high like all cars at the time, it was quite an interesting vehicle. It sat two people, four if you put the optional back seat on it. Now, the back seat was kind of strange as it went backwards. It faced the rear. So you couldn't see where you were going, but you saw where you were before you got there, or after you passed it, or or, or something like that. But the Rambler was really an innovative vehicle at the time. And the owner, Mr. Jeffrey, decided to do some experimentation with upgrades. Now, one of the things he decided to put into play was a steering wheel. Oh, you think that was odd? Well, you got to remember, back in the early 1900s, they used a tiller, or just a bar that they moved from left to right to make the wheels turn. So, a steering wheel was actually a big innovation in the early 1900s. Now, he was ahead of his time. He stuck with the tiller because he figured drivers were too confused by that round steering wheel. Eventually, that changed, and they did go to a steering wheel, as everybody else did. But in 1914, his sons, Charles and Thomas, or Charles and, yes, Charles and Thomas, or no, Charles, Thomas's son, decided that his father had passed away, and he was going to affectionately rename the car from Rambler to Jeffrey. This worked so well, he had to sell the company. And in 2016, Thomas B. Jeffrey Company was purchased by Charles Nash. Nash Rambler's. We got, now you're catching on. All right, the Nash Motor Company in 1917 bought the Jeffrey, eliminated the name, and brought back the Na- or brought the Nash name into play. It became the Nash Kelvinator Corporation. Kelvinator, for you older folks like me, remember they were an appliance manufacturer. You know, refrigerators, stoves, things like that. So now you had a refrigerator company. Building cars. Hmm. So Nash branded the automobiles as Nash, and that stayed on with the merger with Calvinator. And they stayed a separate company for quite a few years. Now, the first Ramblers had six horsepower. It was pretty powerful for the time. Then they went to six and a half horsepower on the high performance model. Mm -hmm. In 1904, they had seven horsepower. And they turned the back seat around so you faced where you were going. In 1908, Rambler's advertising was the car for the country road. And it was a very luxurious looking vehicle at the time. It was a long wheelbase, traditional, or for the time, styling, leather, seats, front and rear. You sat four people comfortably. It had a steering wheel on the right-hand side. you got to remember... The steering wheel on the right was the norm at first here in the USA. Now, Britain, Japan, and China, those companies have kept the right-hand drive, and Australia as well. But a lot of countries switched over to left-hand drive uh, like we have today, the driver sitting on the left side of the vehicle. All right, so Nash Ramblers started back in 1950. Now, the Rambler name had been gone for a long time, but Nash, and in their infinite wisdom, under the uh, direction of George Mason, had dropped that name and brought it back, though, in 1950. Now, you got to remember, after World War II, the car sales jumped. People wanted cars. They were car-starved during World War II. There was no civilian car production. So in 1950... Right after cars went back into production in 1946, cars were in high demand still. But what was going on then is the U.S. couldn't leave well enough alone. We entered into a war in Korea, and this created a steel shortage. Well, Nash, in their infinite wisdom, said, well, if we can't get as much steel as we need, let's build a car that needs less and the Rambler was brought out as a compact car. They were the first company to introduce a regular production compact car. Now, compact, not tiny car, but compact car, which it was about two-thirds the size of a full-size car. Now, raw materials were tough, so the first Rambler to come out was a somewhat convertible. Now, how many of you remember the original Superman television show? Raise your hands. I'm looking. I'm watching. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep, I see you there. All right, the original Superman show. Lois Lane drove a little Nash Rambler with a rollback roof. Now, the sides looked the same as a two-door sedan, but the center of the roof was cloth or canvas, and it rolled back, kind of a semi-convertible model. It saved the amount of steel they needed to use, And this was the first car. It was kind of a convertible top car and kind of a sedan. It had the sedan doors, but it didn't have a full roof. So they saved a little bit of steel on this one. The Rambler line was broadened after the success of this car. Now, this was a very successful car for uh, American Motor, or not American Motors at the time, but Nash. And they continued on. They said, well, if people like this, they're going to like it as a station wagon. Bobby Dye, my friends, got one, and it is cool. Two-door wagon. I posted the picture on my Facebook page. Check it out, if you will. Now, they did come out with a sedan as well, a four-door sedan and a four-door station wagon. Hmm, interesting. And they are cool. Now, the four-door station wagon, the roof in the back goes up just a little bit to give you a little bit more headroom and clearance, but they were cool vehicles. Now, in 1954... Nash merged with American Motors and it became a merger. Nash, Calvinator, and Hudson all converged and made American Motors. Now, the names Nash and Hudson didn't last too long. And the name Rambler, though, continued on because it was a compact car that had a very good following. And in 1957, all the cars were called Ramblers. There was the Rambler Rebel There was the Rambler Ambassadors. There was the Rambler, Little Rambler. And in 1957, believe it or not, the fastest production car was the Rambler Rebel. Hmm. Not the Chevy. Not the Ford. The Rambler Rebel. 327 cubic inches worth of V8 power. And that thing was pretty darn quick back in the day. Now, in the Rambler line, they had a bunch of different models by that time, too. There was that little two-door wagon called the Delivery Man. There was a the little Nash Rambler wagon that was more civilized. The Rambler Delivery Man was more of a sedan delivery with side windows for commercial use. There was the Rambler Custom Country Club. It's basically a hardtop. Had a Continental kit, looked really cool. Now, Jerry Burwell is telling us he had one of the Ramblers, a full on a 60, with a 66 Mustang Hypo drivetrain. Yeah, that could be cool. As a matter of fact, if you had that car right now, Jerry, I'd be trading you my Corvette for it. I love those little babies. In 1969, it was quite a sleeper, and I can imagine that. Well, the Rambler Country Club was a larger car than the 54. Now, one of the things that they were noted for in the early days was their full body. Now, it covered the tires and wheels almost down to the bottom. The body was, was pretty much a cover over the wheels. Now, a lot of people said, well, it's aerodynamics. Actually, the engineers built it as crash safety. It gave a little bit more rigidity to the body because the Rambler was not a body-on-frame car. It was one of the first full production unibody cars. Unit construction, no frame. The body, as many cars, or if almost all cars today are, is unibody, where the body and the front and the chassis were one piece. There wasn't a steel perimeter frame that the body bolted onto. The chassis, the body was all one piece, a unit body. And frankly, other than trucks today, there are no cars that are frame on body or body on frame. So that was pretty good. Now in 1958 at the start and through 69, the Rambler was still a popular car. But it had lost some of its flavor because, well, Generous Motors, Ford, and Chrysler came out with their own compact cars to compete. At this time, though, in nineteen about nineteen sixties, George Romney, name sound familiar to you? Romney? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, his his old man. Anyway, George Romney made a marketing decision to unify the various Rambler model names under the Rambler brand. The ambassador, the top trim level, was officially now a Rambler. It had previously been named the ambassador by Rambler, but now it was a Rambler. And the former Rambler 6 and the Rambler Rebel V8 were renamed Rambler Classics. Hmm, top-of-the-line models for 58 and 61 were advertised as the Ambassador V8 by Rambler. Hmm, on the cars themselves, this is what it said, Rambler Ambassador. Back in 1958, AMC introduced America's first compact car. Now, they call it America's first compact car, but we all know the 1950 Nash was that compact car. And along that same line, Kaiser introduced the Henry J to be a competitor. Totally different appearing cars, both small, small engines, small cars by design, to go after a more economical class of car buyers. But hey, their Rambler continued on. The big three introduced their cars, and this did impact American Motors and the Rambler sales. Now, Romley also put into play to slash production cost commonality. So the Ambassador and the Classic models, beginning in 1962, were the senior Rambler models. They were on the same platform, identical wheelbases and body parts, but different engine trims and equipment levels distinguished the Classic from the Ambassador. And the Rambler's compact size, by U.S. standards, also made it an international competitor. Between 61 and 65, American Motors Corporation opened 13 foreign assembly plants from Costa Rica to the Philippines. They were truly a multinational company. In 1963, the entire Rambler line received the Motor Trend Car of the Year award. No other manufacturer has been able to get that. A full line of vehicles becoming the Car of the Year? Not just the American, not just the Rebel, not just the ambassador or the classic, but the full line. Now, Romney had left the company at this point and moved on to become the governor of Michigan. Roy Abernathy took over, and he direct redirected the company, and it really didn't help matters. He had a variety of body styles and body platforms. He also included various uh, parts of the Rambler brand name. He eliminated them he took the Rambler in a different direction. Now, he had a great designer, and that designer came up with some great cars, but Abernathy was a little stubborn. The original car that was supposed to be a pony car, the Rambler Tarpon, was based on the American body. It was a fastback. Would have competed directly against the Mustang, the Barracuda, and anything else that came about. It was cool. But Abernathy, a tall gentleman... Didn't like it. Couldn't wear his hat in the car. Right. So he directed Teague, the body designer, to come up with a bigger car. So Richard Teague took that same basic design and put it on the full-size Rambler chassis, on the classic and the Rebel chassis, the Ambassador, and it became the Marlin. It was a stunning disaster. They didn't sell very many. During the whole production, I think they got maybe mm, fifteen, twenty thousand total Marlins produced. It was a big car. It had the three twenty-seven. It did have pretty good power, but it was antiquated in many aspects. Besides being big and heavy and bulky, it still used a torque tube drive line, not an independent drive shaft. When it first came out, the torque tube design dates back to early years of Ford design, when the rear axle a tube, and then a shaft ran through it to try and keep the rear axle located. Simple, expensive, actually, at that point in time, because you had to have two separate units connecting to the rear end. But they did that. Now, it changed. The second generation of the Marlin, it had a full open drive line, like almost every other vehicle it had since the early 1950s. But by 1968, the Rambler marquee on the subcompact or the compact Rambler American had gone through some changes. There was a no-nonsense economy car. It had pretty good body styling. And Hurst, the people that make the shifters, were doing special edition vehicles. So well, they came up with the idea of the Hurst SC Rambler. The Scrambler, as we called it. It had a 390 cubic inch V8 engine, red, white, and blue paint, and interior Four-speed on the floor with a Hurst shifter. Baby, this sucker was quick. Yeah, four-barrel carburetor over 300 horsepower. Limited slip differential. Big scoop on the hood. It was a powerful machine. Now, the guys under Abernathy again said, well, we're only going to make maybe 500 of these. Yeah, that didn't work. They actually produced 1,500. It was a popular car, for American Motors. Now, popularity being what it is, try and buy one of those today. They are expensive and rare, and they were produced for about three years. Now, the Rambler American stayed in production for some time, and in 1969, it was done. However, in the U.S., it was done. Worldwide, the Rambler American stayed in production through the 1980s. It was sold in Argentina, Australia, Costa Rica, Mexico, New Zealand, the Philippines, Venezuela, all of South Africa, United Kingdom. And in Argentina, a special model based on the third generation Rambler America became the IKA Torino in 1967. Uh, it was later named the Renault Torino when Renault and AMC kind of collaborated on some cars. It was also a very neat race car in South America, and they used them quite extensively up against the Ford Maverick and others in that compact car range. And it was a very good competitor, excellent handling car. The downside? No V8s. They had six cylinder engines back then. They even used the flathead six cylinder for quite a few years after most companies had given up on them. They did come up with an overhead valve six cylinder. That was very stout, nice and torquey, and that's the one that led it on into its racing heritage against the Ford Maverick with its six-cylinders and other cars in that size range. But by 1983, it was gone, and most of the out-of-country manufacturing had ceased as well. Now, during the down times for Rambler, and they had some neat cars, the Rambler Rebels and the ambassadors, they were they were kind of neat. I do like the Marlin. And really, that's that's one of those cars on my bucket list. Um, so if anyone's got one they would like to trade for my Corvette, not a problem. You know, Rambler, little little Nash Rambler, uh Marlin, no problem, just give me a call. You can check me out, you can find me on Facebook. But the Rambler was around. Now the compact was the Rambler American from 1958 to 1968. The first Rambler was 1901 to 1913. The little Nash Rambler began about 1950. Now, the midsize cars were the Rambler 6 and the V8s from 57 to 60. The Rebel in 1957, like I said, one of the fastest cars of its day from 1957 to 60. The Ambassador was 58 to 65. The Classic 61 to 66. The Rambler Typhoon, or actually it should be Tarpon, was 1964. Never made production. Rambler Rebel, 1967. The Marlin, 1965 through 67. Actually, 64. I believe it came out. Rambler Palm Beach was a show car. The Tarpon, 1964, although they're calling it a typhoon up here at the information I'm looking at. Now, the Rambler Ambassador was built in Costa Rica from 1965 to 70 in the United Kingdom from 1965 to 74. Hmm. Someone in the United Kingdom that's watching today knows of the United Kingdom version or the British version of the Rambler. I'd sure love to see a picture of that. Never saw one. Hi, Dick Mosley. How are you doing today? And Colin Millar. Colin, thank you for watching today. And Steve P. Brown. Now, the Rambler Hornet. Hmm. This was a model outside the USA. There was a Rambler AMX in Australia from 69 to 70. We just called it the AMX. Now, in Australia, the Rambler Hornet ran from 1970 through 75. In Costa Rica, from 70 to 75, as the Rambler SST and Rambler Unisex. Really? Unisex? Okay. In Mexico, 1970 to 77, as the VAM American and the Rambler American. Uh, Okay. South Africa from 1970 to 71, only a two-year run there. Now, the Javelin as we remember it, was a good car in the Trans Am series of racing, and Roger Penske ended up doing quite well with his team. Well, the Rambler Javelin was available in Australia from 68 to 73, in Germany from 68 to 70, Mexico 68 to 73, Venezuela 68 to 74, and in the Philippines from 68 to 70. Love to see photos of some of these cars outside the U.S., The Rambler Matador. Now, you remember the Matador? That was the full-size four-door sedan. As a matter of fact, if you ever watched the old TV show Adam-12, when they dumped the Mopars, LAPD was using Rambler Matadors with 401s. Man, those were fast pursuit vehicles. Well, the Matador was also available in Australia from 71 through 77. In Costa Rica, from 71 to 74. Mexico, from 71 to 76. They called it the Rambler Classic there. And it was also produced for the United Kingdom from 71 to 77. Again, I can't imagine a car of this size being built in the United Kingdom. I've been there. Those roads are pretty narrow. This would be a pretty large car. Now, the Rambler Rebel, which was the sporty version, a uh, sportier version, and it was a performance vehicle at, at point in time. Uh, Australia from 67 to 71. Belgium as the Renault Rambler. Really? Renault Rambler. Okay. Costa Rica, 67 to 70. Mexico, 67 to 70. is a Rambler Classic. New Zealand, from 67 to 71. And again, the United Kingdom, this was a model there, from 67 to 70. The Rambler Classic 660 was built in Campbell Motors or by Campbell Motors for New Zealand. They were also built in Siam. Renault had a version of it built in Belgium. The Rambler Hornet, or AMC Hornet as we had it here, was an Australian Motor Industries vehicle. Australian assembled the Rambler Manador in 1974 with a few changes for the market. The Gremlin, you remember the Gremlin, the AMC Gremlin? Well, it was never called a Rambler here, but it wasn't called a Rambler in Mexico either, but they built it. Vehículos Automotores Mexicanos built the Gremlin for the Mexican market. And New Zealand assembled the 1970 Rambler Rebels, but it was a four-door version. So Rambler had a very distinguished history. AMC, well, got acquired by Chrysler. And when Chrysler did that, they got rid of the AMC cars. All they wanted was the Jeep, and it seems to have paid off for them. But the Rambler will always have a soft spot in my head. I will always have a soft spot in my head for a Rambler. I think they were cool cars. They were ugly for the times at times, but they are cool at this time. And I'd love to have a little Nash Rambler like my friend Bobby Die. I think that is just cool. All right, folks, you have a great day. I'm Hot Rod Bob. You've got gas, the morning edition. Thanks for being a gasaholic and tuning in. And I don't know what time you're listening to this because it's available on Anchor FM, Apple iTunes, Sketcher, Blogger, Tumblr, and a whole lot of other places. So check it out. And it'll be on YouTube just a little later today. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Hot Rod Bob. You've got gas, the morning edition, brought to you by Service Tech Equipment out of Simi Valley, California. Valley Head Service in Northridge, California. Irwindale Speedway, Irwindale Dragstrip, and don't forget, check us out. Two Tired Guys Productions on your YouTube channel, as well as Gas, the Great American Auto Scene, on YouTube. Take care, folks. Have a great day.